He didn't even yeah. like prevent the woman from being killed so that the police could save her. He showed up, got like ripped apart by ghosts, right. and then the police saved the day. Hello, welcome to Guide to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week we're going to be talking about ghosts in tech, EVPs, movies that have ghosts kind of talking to you through machines, all of it. If there's a cog or a hmm, a wire and a ghost uses it, we're covering it. What do you think phones have inside of them? Cogs and wires? I'm fairly certain. I, what do you think is inside your iPhone? It's all a series <laughs> of like spinning dials and stuff. As, and also quartz crystals, as I understand it. Like the inside of like a grandfather clock and yes. stuff. Yeah, that's what's inside your phone, inside your computer, for sure. Yeah. Right. Ghosts right. can use it all. We all know this. Any number of things. Of course. The second that man uh, uh, created fire, mm-hmm. ghosts started going like, I wonder how we can communicate using all the new technology. Right. How can we talk through fire? Like, see. Serious Black appearing in the um, Gryffindor yeah, common room. Exactly like that, Kristen. Exactly. That's right. So I'm going to kick us off this week, and I am going to focus entirely on a big mama of ghost technology communication, the EVP, oh. electronic voice phenomena. Right. This is the effect that seemingly allows ghosts to, co- to communicate. This is the thing that you know, the, the first thing that springs to my mind when I think about EVPs mm-hmm. is a, a, a voice coming to you through white noise. Yes. Right? You you have the volume cranked up on, let's say, a radio, mm-hmm. and you hear a whisper. Get out. Don't do that. That whisper sounds like Michael Keaton. Yeah. It sounds a whole lot like Michael Keaton by the end of one of these movies I'm going to talk about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Did you find, do you feel like you felt, you, you found in your research, like, the causation no not whatsoever so i my research is a little bit different than my usual today because i posited two questions that i wanted to have answered just for myself through my research and neither of them were answered by my research but i kind of answered them myself question one question from Kristen: do only ghosts come through do spirits who are never living wait spirits who are never living hang on what could, what could that even mean? Well, I just I'm reading the wrong question. <laughs> okay, hang on. Let's uh, look at this. I know that there. Well, hold on. Maybe we <laughs> okay. will cut this because I do know that there's a movie where a woman is haunted by the ghost of an unborn twin of hers. Okay, whose name I believe is Jumby. Jumby? I believe. Wait, what movie is that? I can't remember. Damn it. <laughs> I think the podcast, yeah, it's that bad, covered whatever this movie was. Okay. All right. Well, what I mean by spirits who are never living is like angels or demons, something oh, that okay. lives in the spirit world but wasn't like a human, walk- human walking the earth. Okay. Like paranormal entities. Yes. Yeah, that, okay. That's, that's all I meant. Um, I'll just keep going with this question, although I'm annoyed because I meant to read the question that directly pertains to what we were just talking about and I read the wrong one. Real quick, I, I gave it a quick goog and I figured it out. The movie okay. I'm referring to about the unborn child named mm-hmm. Jumby that wants to hunt you is called The Unborn. <laughs> so 
It is crazy that they had the child be named Jumby. I can only assume that that was a nickname that the mother gave the child in utero, but still. I think that that is the deal. You know how long? It has to be. They'll be like, like, awaiting parents will be like, Mump Mump wants some food. And it's like, well, you're not going to name the baby Mump Mump. It's just the name they're using or whatever. But so Jumby, I guess, is what they have. So giving it a quick Google, I Googled Jumby Ghost Unborn Baby and top results uh, gave me a video. The Unborn. Mm-hmm. Jumby wants to be born now. Oh my god! Scene. Sounds I've never terrifying. heard of this before. I there's I why would yeah, right. enough you can see I I don't know if you caught that before I clicked it. Yes, the Wikipedia link for the unborn was already purple, meaning yes. that I have clicked it before. I on this did. Computer. I did notice that. <laughs> so <laughs> I've already gone down this rabbit hole on this computer at least at some point in the past. Who knows? Oh god, probably after you listen to you, it's that bad, right? I must have. Must have. Yeah. It's also weird when you go to the Wikipedia for this movie. It's a movie about, you know, the ghost of an unborn child coming back to, I guess, haunt the mother. Yeah. And the poster for it is like very sexy forward with the mom in undies and like a white tank top photograph from the back. So it's like a bootylicious poster for a thing about like mother and child, which is very weird. Also, what Gary Oldman and Idris Elba are in this? Oh, my God. Among yeah. other people? Uh, the film stars Odette and Enable as a young woman who is tormented by a Dybbuk. Oh, maybe I did it for a Dybbuk research. I think oh. I think maybe we've talked about the unborn on the show before. Oh. And seeks help from a rabbi played by Gary Oldman. Okay. <laughs> it's a Platinum Dunes. <laughs> oh, it sure is. Directed by Michael Bay. That's probably why there's like a butt shot. The mark of quality. Just call your company Platinum Dunes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Not gold. <laughs> oh, boy. Platinum. Anyway. All right. Well... Anyway, the spirits I was referring to, not Jumby, mm. but just paranormal entities. A question that I had wanted to find answers to when I was researching was whether only the ghosts of the living come through or just paranormal entities or can demons come through. And I wrote back to myself, thinking about it, that I feel like higher beings can adapt to communicate with us in the way that we understand, theoretically, if you believe all this stuff. So, yeah, I don't see why it couldn't be a ghost or a spirit who's coming through. And maybe they're not used to, t- to uh, you know, speaking our human language, but they find a- they're like, OK, this is how they communicate. So I'm going to get on that level I'll use and the talk t- to them. I'll this use way. the TV. I'll use the radio. I'll use the TV and I'll speak in English. Right. Because that's um, what this person understands. So that's interesting. Find like. There are kind of two barriers to communicate to communication, potentially. You know, they might not communicate that way sure. on the other side if they weren't already a human. But I feel like they just meet us where we're at, right? Um, because I feel like that could be an argument. Like if somebody said that a demon came and talked to them through an EVP, somebody could be like, "Do you think demons are really speaking in English and they know our slang and our colloquialisms?" But maybe they just they adapt because they're higher, right? And find the way to get through. But the question that I meant to ask and answer that pertains directly to what you said, wanting to know if I found out why they are able to do this. No, I didn't. I just found out kind of information about how they can do it and methods of getting it done, but not why this works. And so what I kind of thought and posited to myself, and I will posit to you, dear listeners, is that if radio waves are electricity and energy and whatever's going on there, I guess that maybe that's a current that spirits are able to kind of hop aboard and use. So for them, maybe radio waves are, they have the same level of physicality 
as ghosts do. Meaning to us, no physicality. We can't see radio waves. We can't see ghosts. But to them, maybe it's the same thing as like, yeah, if somebody was walking by us with a tape recorder, which is just as physical as we are, it would pick up our voices. Okay. Just so a just a thought. The ghost, a ghost is a non-corporeal, right. no body, all all like essence, right? And what is a radio wave? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's so, also non-corporeal, so it's both. The language used to describe that theory makes it sound relatively technical and plausible, but mm. it really boils no. down to. Well, I can't see ghosts, and yeah. I can't see radio waves. Right. So they're probably made of the same stuff. Or they might be. I mean, we know that radio waves are real, but we cannot see them. Right. So, you know, maybe ghosts are real, and we can't see them, and they are able to use radio waves the same way that we use anything that's in front of us. Right, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Making it, it up. It's almost disappointing that there's not really a reason. Because, like, we've been I watching... I didn't find anything. We've been watching so much ghost adventures. Yeah. And when Zach Bagans will try to use a recorder to capture a ghost's voice, mm-hmm. there's usually just some hand-waving about, like, ghosts are believed to be able to appear on voice tape. Right, uh, but on why? tape recorder. Yeah, exactly. There was no why, I guess, at yes. all. It's just, well, we all believe it, so therefore, right. uh, we always try it, there's a, and there's we assume a, it will work. Right. There's a there's kind of like a what, but not the how it happens. I also have this problem every once in a while. I get a bug up my butt about trying to look up why astrology is a thing. Uh. Why? Okay, I understand that if you're born at this time, it might mean this thing. I understand the relative science of it, pseudoscience, whatever, that there are degrees and all that kind of stuff. But why are you affected by the time that you are born? What happens that makes that so? And I can never find a satisfactory answer or any answer at all. Yeah. I've even posted in like an astrology message board and been like, hey, so just why? Like not coming at it like, hi, I'm Chris and I'm a skeptic. I'm not trying to I'm poke holes in it. I'm just curious. What is the actual causation of time of birth and uh, why it will affect your existence? Right. And there's never an answer. People Sometimes people reply, but they just, again, supply me with the what. Uh-huh. When I'm trying to find the why. Yeah, and then you're immediately banned. <laughs> yes. No, I just give up. It's just not there. I don't know what it is. But Instantly so, kicked out of every group where you ask questions I'm just like curious. that. So I found this to be similar where I could not find the why or the how, just the what. It's tricky. It is. Yeah. I, I wanna know. I'm very I'm open to it, but give me give me it. I will say this the absence of finding an answer to mm-hmm. why do ghosts appear on tape recorder or whatever, yeah. what have you, are able to talk to you through electronics. The absence of being able to find mm-hmm. the supposedly plausible reason why is evidence in and of itself. Yeah. There is no reason. We all just like it. Yeah. We like the notion and we feel like sometimes we do hear weird voices on stuff. So therefore, it's probably ghosts. Right. Now, I did point out, I think, uh, uh, recently to you that when I plug or like fancy recorder into my computer, mm-hmm. if I don't plug the audio cable in uh, uh, completely and fully, I'll just pick up a radio station right. on it. I can just hear a radio frequency. I'll just pull it in and mm-hmm. hear bits and pieces of it. So like radio waves are floating all around us. Yeah. And it's all about how do you tap into them? So I, two things. One, if you want to believe, sure, maybe there are other frequencies you can tap into when you get a ghost voice. What I'm really saying is, maybe you think you got a ghost voice, but no, you tapped into, you know, the Zoo crew with, you know, 
Chili Chet. But what if Chili Chet is saying something that the ghost specifically wanted you to hear? What if that was forced by another hand? So you are hearing Chili Chet, but it was kind of engineered for you to hear that thing that Chili Chet said right at that moment because it was significant. Maybe. And maybe you're like Zach Bagans and you're exploring haunted places. Mm -hmm. And then the voice of Chili Chet goes, do not go in there. Right. That's what he was meant to hear at that moment. Uh Uh-huh. And now you're like, oh, I shouldn't go into this haunted house. Right. So, but because not, I'm Zach Bagans, I will. Right. Let's let's not disregard Chili Chet right off the bat. Of course not. So, the basic idea of it, in case you haven't gotten the gist or you don't know about it, is that sounds that come through electronics can sometimes be said to be voices of the dead. Now, obviously, a lot of people take umbrage with this idea because if ghosts don't exist at all, obviously they can't communicate with us. Other arguments against the legitimacy of EVPs are apophenia, which is making connections between things that aren't actually related. So seeing meaning and patterns and things that aren't actually there, but just kind of assuming it. Um, Or if they're ascribing more meaning to them than there actually is. So it could be something that exists. It is real, but they're making it more significant than it needs to be. There's also a subcategory of apophenia, which is called pareidolia, which is a little bit more specific and kind of... um, links to EVPs a little bit more cleanly, which is taking in stimulus and registering it incorrectly and putting your own interpretation on it. So it's things that are a little bit more physical and tangible rather than just seeing patterns in your daily life like apophenia. Pareidolia is like seeing faces in clouds, the idea of the man on the moon, or hearing hidden messages in music. Uh. So that's obviously directly connected to hearing the sounds of ghosts talking to you in an EVP. Sure. So these are things that used to be thought of as symptoms of mental illness, but now they're just regarded as natural human condition. We're conditioned to look for patterns and things and look for meaning in things. But that can sometimes cause you to find patterns and meaning when they aren't really there. Right. So it's, it's you know, it's just a thing. Yeah, watch the documentary Room 237 mm-hmm. about people's theories about The Shining. And yeah. you will see all kinds of stuff like this. All the, the secret things that people think they're picking up right. that Stanley Kubrick, from their point of view, left in the film mm-hmm. for them. That's yeah. like, I, I think that's a great point. Faces in clouds. Are we hearing a voice over a recording or is it nothing? Right. Exactly. And our brains are just wired to find a pattern like that. Yeah. And that's also what leads to a lot of conspiracy theory stuff, especially right now, is just looking for patterns, um, whether deliberately or your brain just automatically does it, and then ascribing significant meaning to those and then kind of like going off the deep end with it. Yeah. Um, Our friend Chelsea's show, American Hysteria, talks about that a lot. So that'd be a nice thing to check out if you find this interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I also do a bunch of voice acting over there. Yes, he does. Okay. So it's irritating. I hate that this is a thing sometimes, but I can't help it. Can both be true? Can sometimes we be engaging in apophenia or pareidolia and ascribing meaning to things that aren't there, but sometimes are they actually there? I, you know, not impossible. I cannot help but think that. So that's part of why this kind of stuff is probably never going to be proven and it can be so crazy making, but it's also what makes it mysterious and awesome. I, I completely agree. Yeah. I think that uh, uh, I even specifically as a, as a skeptic, you know, celebratory skeptic is the the term that I coined for wanting to believe mm-hmm. and loving it all, even though I can't allow myself to. Mm-hmm. But like even watching Ghost Adventures, it's like they'll say that they caught a shadow on film and I'll look at the footage and my brain goes, mm, I see a shadow on your film. 
Right. There are so many reasons it might be there. Right. You might have put it there. Right. <laughs> to tell me that you found a shadow. You might have actually found a shadow, though. Mm-hmm. And so just because I think that our brains may be wired to see things and ascribe meaning to them when there may be none, should that be my tool to dismiss everything like this? Right. And I don't know that it should. Right. Because as a celebratory skeptic, I want to believe yeah. that shadows can appear on film and that voices can come to you over the airwaves. Part of my brain won't allow me to, right. to, to let that through. But yeah. another part of my brain really, really, really wants to leave that space. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's good to come into it with part of your brain questioning it or else you'll just kind of believe everything. But still, I think it's good to be open minded, not just poo poo things. So because it's more fun to believe, let's talk about where EVP started and kind of dis- just put skepticism to the side for a okay. moment. So not long after making report- recordings was possible at all, which was like the late 1800s, people started trying to record ghosts. Tape recorders weren't easily available until around the 1940s, but they say experiments to try to record ghostly voices have as early as the 20s. In fact, Thomas Edison once said, and this is a quote, if our personality survives, then it is strictly logical or scientific to assume that it retains memory, intellect, other faculties, and knowledge that we acquire on this earth. Therefore, if we can evolve an instrument so delicate as to be affected by our personality as it survives in the next life, such an instrument, when made available, ought to record something. So he never got around to inventing that instrument, although there are rumors that he was working on something that would specifically be able to record ghostly voices. There are also um, people who say that him even giving out that quote was just sort of like a joke. He didn't believe in that whatsoever. And he was just kind of like giving off a soundbite or whatever. But interesting nonetheless. Thomas Edison giving off soundbites is a really cute thing to say. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's just tossing a little something to the paparazzi. Right. Something for him to chew on. So the next big deal in EVPs is that in 1949, there was an Italian man named Marcello Bacci who started recording them with an old tube radio and people would come to his house from all over the neighborhood to talk to their dead relatives, which I love thinking about. I feel like that's movie stuff. Is that a bunch of people in an Italian neighborhood all coming to Bacci's house to talk to their deceased relatives through his tube radio? They can either listen to his tube radio or play with some of his fantastic balls. That's right. Such an innovator, this guy he really is such diverse interests so a real breakthrough happened in evps that made them more widespread when a swedish opera singer painter and film producer a real triple threat named friedrich jurgensen inadvertently captured some evps and then spread the news so he was recording bird song mm. just for himself and just for his pleasure <laughs> for his pleasure <laughs> when he listened back to his recording and heard the voice of his dead mother saying, Friedrich, you are being watched. Friedel, my little Friedel, can you hear me? What? Yeah. Oh, my God. I I, I love that. I know. I'm going to say something really stupid. Okay. But maybe it's obvious. Maybe it's... I'm so used to the modern era where people capture EVPs because they're trying to. Right. To inadvertently capture an EVP is a totally different thing. Caught unawares. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. And it just sent him on a journey. He was like, holy crap, what is this? So he started recording them to deliberately catch EVPs more and more, more over the next four years. And he ended up writing two books about him. Then these books reached a Latvian psychologist whose name was Dr. Konstantin Raudive. 
he was a student of Carl Jung, so he was already kind of into like weird thinking like Carl Jung is the psychologist who um, did a lot of work in like synchronicity and meaningful dreams and things like that so he's kind of an out there dude I guess it's funny to talk about like Jungian psychology which like is a term derived from Carl Jung and be like yeah this guy was a student of of Jung's yeah so he was already into weird thinking where it's like Jung's thinking was out there it's like a science (laughs) you know it's like brain science uh Jungian stuff is very like strange and like metaphysical. Is it really? Yes. I, I'm aware of like the Jungian archetypes. There's that, but there's also a lot of like magical sort of thinking. Oh. Yeah. We should look at uh, uh, the outlandish beliefs of otherwise credible scholars. Yes. That would be kind of fun. That's like a very weird. Because yeah. even Thomas Edison talking about ghosts, Carl Jung having right. like bizarre dream theory. Oh, yeah. Like people who otherwise. Yeah, you he believed consider... in like physical manifestation of things in dreams. And oh, that's great. Of, yeah, he has like a whole. There's a lot of stuff. People who are otherwise like super trustworthy. Like, you know, Stephen Hawking had a lot to do with uh, uh you know the the science of the universe i wonder mm-hmm. if he ever uh commented on ghosts and was like oh yeah i believe in those could be you know like <laughs> i wonder if they're like people you want to trust who know right. logic and science and and have helped build modern society yeah. commenting on like oh yeah no i lo- the squonk right yeah no i believe in that monster i mean it definitely happens over the course of researching guides the unknown and also just because i'm into this stuff personally there have been a bunch of times where i've come across somebody who has some sort of out their belief and it's like they're a doctor of neuroscience right yeah it makes me like all right so this isn't like you know just people who you think of as being like nuts that you can just disregard they're like thoughtful thorough people who believe in this stuff yeah that's true it's true it's just very enjoyable and sometimes surprising to come across it yeah it's awesome so this guy was already into some like somewhat out there stuff obviously dr constantine rodive and he heard about the evps that the opera singer jurgensen made he thought that they were hooey but then he decided to try them himself and he heard his dead mother's voice and was like Holy crap. So he did a lot of research into EVPs and shared a lot of it. He really kind of legitimized EVPs for a lot of people. And so this Dr. Constantine Rodive is a big figure in the EVP community. Wow. Okay. So writing that out made me kind of wonder what community there is out for specifically this right now. There are lots of paranormal groups and things like that, but I decided to put EVP into Facebook and into Reddit and see what came up. And there are groups. uh, The group on Facebook is bigger than the one on Reddit where people just kind of post and trade EVPs. And are like, hey, check this out. What do you think about it? Do you hear anything? And it's kind of cool. It's definitely a thing. So the last things that I want to touch on are popular methods of EVPs that you may or may not have heard about before. So there's obviously straight up recording something on a device and then listening back to it, even with just the naked ear Uh. or using software and (laughs) seeing what you hear, seeing if anything was, was picked up on it. But there are a couple of standout to me EVP methods that are a little bit different and kind of. Uh, push things forward were game changers in the EVP scene. So the first one I want to talk about is Frank's box. Have you heard of that before? I, I It rings a bell, but yeah. Okay, rings a box. 
So these have a lot of cachet because if you're talking about literal Frank's boxes, there are only a finite number of them and the story behind them is weird and cool. So there was a dude named Frank Sumption who built these boxes. There are like 60 of them in existence and said that he got the instructions to build them from communications with the spirit world. They gave him the instructions on how to do this in a certain way. So you would think that that would imply that he is a paranormal researcher who was super into this stuff and not really so, even though it's a little bit wishy-washy as he gets more and more into these boxes. It all started out because he was just like a tinkerer who was into electronics and he subscribed to Popular Electronics Magazine and in the magazine there was an article about EV Oh. So he decided to create a radio that was built to collect EVPs. And in the course of building it, he got communications from the beyond telling him additional steps that he did not find anywhere else in his studies of like magazines and instructions and stuff like that for how to make them more effective. If you're a ghost, does that make you an expert in how to get people to hear you better what if you're a ghost electrician that's kind of what i'm saying like it would have to be like a specialized person yes maybe it was somebody who was an electrician in life and they're like okay i knew how things worked on that side i know how they work on this side so here's how you make this happen so you can hear us come through i'm gonna help you make this happen Mm -hmm. i wonder let's get it done maybe that doesn't even have to have been a human yeah maybe not because they might have just like ultimate knowledge yeah yeah interesting absolutely so the way that the Frank's box works and there are these cool looking things like they some of them are a little bit more advanced as they go on. But the earliest ones look very DIY. They have like a wooden kind of cover to them that have, you know, his writing on them, like for names of knobs and things like that. Huh. And he also said that the communication he got told him to place a crystal on the box, not necessarily inside the mechanisms or anything. But so some of them just have like a crystal just on the top of it. Weird. To be some sort of conductor. Now, the way that they work might sound kind of familiar to people who watch ghost shows. They they sweep radio stations. Okay. So they just like flip through radio stations and it creates this white noise that's also very choppy. Like, it's like a million different frequencies where they're playing chimpanzee sounds. It's it's very loud. And the idea is that it's going to be sweeping through all these active radio stations, but that it'll also, in the course of doing that, pick up fragments of conversation from those stations that it's sweeping. So it's Frank's belief that the spirits can harness those signals and shape those fragments of speech into words or phrases that they want to use to communicate. It's so wild. Yeah. Because even the, the, the dynamics of that, if you're trying to... Like, I, I do a lot of editing. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted to take anything that... Uh, if I wanted to make a phrase... You can make basically like a ransom note. You know, like yeah. cutting letters out of different magazines to form phrases on a piece of paper. Classic ransom note. You can do that with phrases that people have said on shows. Yeah. People could take our audio right now, and I'm sure they could chop up all the different, you know, syllables mm-hmm. that we use, if not words, if not entire sentences to make us say something that we never said before. Right. They do it to Robin on Howard Stern all the time. That's absolutely true. <laughs> so, uh, but the act of doing that when you're editing something, it's at your full disposal. Right. If I want to edit things that you have said, 
I am using things that you said in the past, which were recorded, which are unchangeable. Mm -hmm. For a Frank's box to work, where you are using snippets of different radio stations to say something, you would have to have knowledge of what everyone on every station is saying right now and in the next few seconds at least. Mm -hmm. So that you can go like, okay, 92.3 FM, someone's going to say, get. Then I know on 104.3, somebody else is going to say, out. Right. But the first person doesn't say get, then you have to wait for the next person to say out. Mm -hmm. So what knowledge do ghosts have to be able to cut to different radio stations in the same moment that you're using the Frank's box, but at different times so that the radio stations all give you a... A, a sentence in sequence. Right. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of like long sentences going on. I think it's usually like a word or a few words together. There's not right. really like, hello, William. Yeah. I have missed you. Okay. You know what I mean? Fair enough. But, but you, but you no, know what I mean? Know what Even you're saying. on I'm like a saying. simple basis. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The but, actual logistics of this are ludicrous. But are they? Of course, if you're saying ghosts are ludicrous, of course, this is in turn That's ludicrous. kind of what I'm saying. I'm not poo-pooing it. I'm I saying like... The, the the complicated nature. But maybe for them it's not complicated. Exactly. Maybe they see fourth the dimensionally. Exactly. So maybe they know for, what everyone's doing at all times. Maybe for like Buggy Ding Dong pushing that penny across the floor of the subway car yeah. and ghost is extremely hard. But maybe talking through an EVP using a Frank's box is like no biggie. Yeah. Maybe it's just. We don't know what the hell their skill set is up it's there. True. So that's the way that they are said to work. And now almost anything that's called a blank box, there's spirit box, there's a ghost box or things like that. They are all pretty much using the Frank's box technique of sweeping radio stations and looking for hearing snippets of something coming through that all kind of originates from the Frank's box. It's interesting. So he sounds like an interesting dude. Um, he passed away in 2014. So like I said, there aren't a ton of boxes in production. And it's like a cool, covetable thing to have. If you have an original Frank Sumption's Frank's box, that's like a really cool artifact. Um, but he was strange when I was reading about it. And there's um, a link in the show notes where you can read some of the things that he said. He responded to skeptics of the Frank's box who said that it was just like not possible and whatever by saying that he wasn't into paranormal stuff. He knows he's with them. He knows it's ridiculous. But then he would say all kinds of paranormal things like he was speaking to these entities and whatever. So kind of all over the place. Um, Very interesting person and definitely a real change maker in the paranormal and EVP world in particular. Yeah. Now. I am no EVP expert, clearly, or even like a great haunted history historian. But the next development in EVPs that I'm aware of that seems to have been a game changer, because now I see lots of people using this, was the introduction of the Estes method, which I have told you about before. I sent you a link to it once a while ago. Um, And the first time I saw it was in Hellier, which you can watch on Amazon Prime, and you can also watch it on the Planet Weird YouTube channel. I love Hellier. Right. So... This was developed by Connor Randall, Carl Pfeiffer, and Michelle Tate. Connor and Carl are both part of Hellier. Michelle isn't. And it's named the Estes Method because they were tour guides at the Stanley Hotel in Estes, Colorado. So the method tries to eliminate the idea that when you're using a Frank's box or any kind of box, that you're hearing what you want to hear and answer the questions that you're asking. So trying to eliminate like skepticism and the idea that apophenia kind of taking place or pareidolia by 
using kind of kind of dividing it up a little bit. So having removed between the person asking a question and the answer coming through somebody else who hasn't even heard the question asked. Yes, 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 yes. So how it works is that they have one person who is listening to the spirit box. They're blindfolded and have on noise canceling headphones so they can't see the people that they're with or hear anything. And they're supposed to be heavy duty noise canceling headphones like $80 noise canceling headphones that can cancel up to like, I don't remember what. Um, but like really everything. nothing's getting through like yeah. for drummers actually in concert um, and the other people ask the questions so the there's only the person with the headphones who's hearing the answers in the spirit box so a person will say uh, is anyone with us and the person who's listening to the spirit box and their headphones can't read their lips can't hear what they ask they're just hearing that sweep and scan and they might hear something that says, yes, I'm right here. So they say out loud, yes, I'm right here. That's interesting. And so it eliminates the fact that you know that you asked, is anybody here? So you're looking for a yes or no or some sort of answer that makes sense given the question. Um, it's really, really awesome. And they've gotten some really cool and interesting results with it. And it was cool to read about how they kind of trial and errored it. They first did it with just normal headphones and without a blindfold. They, they had the idea of one person asking and one person receiving the answer, but they added the blindfold to prevent the possibility of lip reading. And then the noise canceling headphones to basically increase everyone's confidence around the validity of it. Because when they tested it, it wasn't necessarily that the receiver, the person who's listening to the spirit box, could hear the questions, but you could still say, well, what if they kind of heard it? Yeah. And so they maybe they didn't even realize they heard it, but the subconscious mind is really cuckoo. What if they sort of did? And so they still were looking for an answer that fit it. So they got noise-canceling headphones to really ensure that there's like no way they could have heard the question asked. And they said that they didn't find that the results got better when they did that, but they did give the results more credence and validity because they knew there was really no way that there could be cross-contamination going on. Um, it's really, really awesome. And then they also posit the idea that when you're doing the Estes method specifically, because of the sensory deprivation sort of element of it, that you might not just be literally physically hearing the snippets of radio that come through that we're already saying that maybe a ghost has kind of engineered and pushed through to you to hear, the sweeping frequencies, the sound of that, the constancy of that, plus the sensory deprivation of not being able to see or hear anything might put you in a trance-like state where maybe you're more open to picking up on messages psychically because yeah. you're kind of going that deep. And so you kind of just call out whatever you are hearing or quote unquote hearing. Yeah, because to be sure, like as much as you – if you put a bl blindfold on someone and noise-canceling headphones – uh, it eliminates their ability to know what the person asking the questions has done. Mm -hmm. But it, there's nothing you can do to eliminate the fact that this is now being filtered through a human. Right. Right. So it's all subject to interpretation. Everything mm -hmm. is a game of telephone. Mm -hmm. So the spirit box spits out a phrase that a ghost built. Right. Maybe, you know. Um, it's still then up to the person who's listening to it to determine what to say out loud. Right. What's relevant to you? Mm -hmm. What's more important to you than me? You know, well, the idea is that you just say whatever you hear, anything at all that you hear. I know, well, yeah, but there, but I feel, I guess, what I'm saying is like, uh, uh, I feel like, uh, intrinsic or innate 
reflexive bias Mm -hmm. is not something you can always compensate for. Yes. So if you and I were both listening, if we had a headphone splitter coming Mm -hmm. off that spirit box, you're wearing a pair of headphones and I'm wearing a pair of headphones. We're both blindfolded. Yeah. Are you and I going to say the same thing? No, not necessarily. That's yeah, kind so of there's what always, I'm, it's human error, which yeah. enters into everything. I think that's kind of fun. Obviously, including ghosty stuff. Yeah. Well, William, if you think it's fun, I got good news for you. I ordered us an SB7 spirit box. Are you kidding me? And I ordered us special noise canceling headphones. Are you serious? Yes, I am. Kristen, I was about to tell you before when you were talking about the Frank's box yeah. that I've got an SB7 spirit box sitting in my wish list on Amazon right now. Well, you better remove it, baby, because it's gone. Oh my God. I am so excited. Mm-hmm. That is very exciting. So we will be doing that. Get ready. Okay. Coming right. soon. I love that. I already have uh, blindfolds. We're all good. That's amazing. This is going to be bizarre. I know. Okay, great. Yeah. So, Will, that's it for me. Oh, I love that, Kristen. What a crescendo, too. What, I know. What a surprise, like, twist reveal at the end of that. I know. I engineered it this way. You are a <laughs> mysterious engineer. I absolutely... Ooh, the mysterious engineer. I wish I could change my Animal Crossing like uh on your passport yeah yeah, yeah my mysterious passport mysterious engineer yeah right yeah. now it's casual ghost pretty good that's mm-hmm. great too yeah not bad fantastic all right well i'm going to uh talk about some other movies where evps play in large mm-hmm. uh because there are a bunch and especially some pretty recently that are taking the the nation by storm that's right but before we get to all of that Thank you all so much. Now that we're at like the midpoint of the episode, we want to call out uh, one of the greatest sponsors that a podcast could ever have themselves. That's right. Guide to the Unknown we are. has been going strong for 144 episodes as of this recording. If you're enjoying this show right now, thank you so much for listening. Please consider going to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review. It helps boost our reputation. It makes us feel good. I check mm-hmm. those reviews like daily. Yeah. And I love seeing that number go up, and I love seeing what people have to say about the show. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us on social media all over the place. We're at GTTUPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, even that just this past week for people who back us on patreon.com slash GTTU pod, we just put out a brand new bonus podcast that only our Patreon peeps get access to. And it sort of plays into what I'm going to be talking about in a minute. We reviewed a new movie host, right? It's on shutter only. People are loving it. It's the zoom horror movie that you may have heard about. And Will and I both loved it. So you spent about an hour talking about it over on patreon.com slash GTTU pod. That was our 11th bonus episode. And we hit 100 bonus posts overall oh, is that by right? posting that episode this week. So go to patreon.com slash GTTU pod, donate to the show to help support us and thank us for the stuff that we put out. And we'll thank you with a ton of other stuff that nobody else gets to see. That's fun. That's a fun milestone. 100 exclusive things. Yes. So that's 11 bonus podcasts mm-hmm. on the Netherworld Dispatch, our complete behind the Patreon wall podcast that you can get. Uh, but that's also a bunch of other stuff like videos. Yeah. Like like uh, uh, special posts uh, written by us, mm-hmm. like Kristen showing some of the notes that she takes going into Recording Guide to the Unknown. Yep, commentaries They're- for all four of the current Scream movies. That's we have right. video game playthroughs of like horror video games. It's popping and hopping over there. It is popping and hopping. Mm-hmm. Uh, so go check that out. You can get all of this stuff and so much more at the home of Guide to the Unknown, gttupod.com. That's right. All right, so let's talk a little bit about some EVP movies. Okay. I have something sort of weird to say to you. So as I just called out, 
the episode we're recording right this second is episode 144 yeah. of Guide to the Unknown. You and I have talked about movies and things that feature ghosts speaking through technology before mm-hmm. in an episode titled Techno Ghosts. Right. And I believe it's Techno Ghosts and White House Occultists because we did the two topics in an episode thing. Yeah. That was episode 72. Oh, that's weird. Exactly half hour feet ago. That's very strange. With no planning whatsoever. No, no. Okay, weird. As a matter of fact, I think we actually shuffled things to make our topic today. We did not. Oh, we didn't? It, no. we, it was yes. already the plan? It was destined, yeah. Okay, we do like planning sessions right. on Patreon. We had talked about shifting, but I guess we didn't need to. No. So yeah, we doing now this like ghosts on film thing because we had just done a review of host on Patreon. Yeah. Was more about trying to have like this... Uh, cohesive thing about what Guide mm-hmm. to the Unknown is up to this week. Ghosts right. on film, EVPs, right. demons talking to you we through technology. We actually had a segment called Ghosts on Film in a previous episode is that, that right? I did, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, we did uh, We did Techno Ghosts mm-hmm. half the feet ago, 72, so and now weird. here in 144. Pick them back up. That's nuts. Isn't that weird? Also, I just remember we have an episode on Patreon um, that is just us listening to EVPs and trying that's to true. decipher them with our mom. Yeah, that's true. We mm-hmm. made like a little uh, a pseudo game show out yeah. of it. Yeah, it was, figure it was, out what this EVP says. You're right. It was a few episodes, like a few months ago. Yeah. Uh, but so on the original Techno Ghosts show, I talked about a few different horror franchises. We're talking fiction here. Mm-hmm. Uh, horror franchises where ghosts appear on film and stuff like that. So way back in episode 72, I talked about The Ring. I talked about the movie One Missed Call, and I talked about Shudder. I mentioned a few other things in there, but I'm going to go a little bit more in depth on some other ghost on film franchises because I love ghosts. I think this stuff is rad and spooky. And also, typically when ghosts are talking to you through phones and stuff in movies, it's horrible. (laughs) Enter. The White Noise franchise. Yes. Now, we called out White Noise in episode 72, but I didn't really get into it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get into it now. Had we watched it together at that point in episode 72? I don't think so. I think that we've watched it together within the last year now. Yeah. Something like that. And I, I have to tell you, you and I both, I remember, were like, oh, yeah, White Noise. We should watch that. Right. It has left my memory entirely. It's as if somebody erased my mind whenever yeah. I try to remember what that movie is about. We didn't like it. It was boring. Yes. Right? It's yes. like a very quiet, mopey movie. Right. And not quiet, like quiet and, and thoughtful and contemplative. No, it's just like quiet and boring. Yes. The only thing I really remember from it is when they pulled back in a wide shot and you saw that Michael Keaton was wearing like high heels. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. he was in lifts. Right. Right. Like beyond lifts. He was wearing like 70s platforms. <laughs> He's got to be up in the frame. I know, but it was <laughs> weird to see. It was also, I think it was him sitting down at his desk in his office and they just pulled back and I was like, whoa. Yeah, maybe leave Pee-wee that. Herman shoes. Leave that below the frame. Yeah. Um, but so Michael Keaton plays Jonathan Rivers. He's an architect, and his wife Anna was killed. He's contacted by a man who collects EVPs, claiming to have captured Michael Keaton's deceased wife's voice on recording. This kicks off sort of a an asinine adventure story where Michael Keaton is getting missions Mm -hmm. given to him by his dead wife through evp of people who are due to die right but michael keaton can prevent their deaths from happening yes 
So it's like EVPs of the future. Almost like the movie One Missed Call, which is like a J-horror remake mm-hmm. where you get a phone or you get you get a missed call and then you listen to the voicemail of it and it's the sound of your own death. Right. You're like hearing the future. That's kind of what White Noise is hmm. in 2005. He's hearing EVPs of events that are due to occur and then figuring out that he can stop them from right. happening at all. Right. Um, so he starts saving people's lives uh, and telling people that his wife is, you know, uh, presenting the voices of people for him to go out and save and people start to think he's losing his mind. Yeah. Here's the thing. There's an even wackier plot afoot. Okay. It turns out Michael Keaton is trying to save yet another person who is is meant to die per his wife's EVPs. Um, this person's being, you know, the, it's being documented on the news and everything that Mary is missing. Mary Lightfoot. I don't know right. what her name yeah. is. I made up that last name. Right. Mary Lightfoot is missing. And Michael Keaton is getting the EVPs from his wife and realizes, my God, it's in one of my, she's in one of my buildings. He's an architect Mm. and it's like under renovations or something. So he goes to the building and he finds the woman there. And the reason she's there is that she's been taken. Okay. She's being held captive by some guy. There's just a man there. Yeah. Who's got a whole computer set up. In this old rundown building. Yeah, I remember the building. Multiple, multiple monitors. He's doing the same junk that Michael Keaton's doing, but he's been doing it way longer. Uh-huh. He's been listening to EVPs and and essentially making contact with the world of the dead. I don't remember that. I didn't remember it either. I read about it on Wikipedia. Then I rented the movie and like oh. rewatched things to 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 jog my memory. Yeah, Kristen, I'm not even kidding. It is as if. The men in black used that memory erase the neuralizer and just blasted this movie out of my brain. Yeah, I did not remember that there was a rival EVP enthusiast. It's it's weird. It is baffling to me that we watched this, sat in a room and yeah. looked at it while it happened, and I can't remember it. Maybe we were talking a lot. Isn't it weird that you can do something and then you don't remember it later? Yes. I know that it's normal, because yes. how could you keep everything? And people who do remember everything usually mm-hmm. end up having very complicated lives. Yes. But isn't it nuts that you can do something, be physically present for something, and then somebody has to remind you of it later. Yes, it's really weird. It's weird. We're all just like empty shells. Wow. You know? Anyway, so it turns out, it turns out the guy, the man that is there, they do like a flashback, like twist ending type thing, except it's almost inconsequential. This man uh, was present at scenes of other people having been killed, including Michael Keaton's wife. But we don't really know who this man is. Okay. It's not even really the point to figure out what his deal is. Okay. Michael Keaton, while he's been tuning into all this white noise stuff, periodically a few shadowy figures will appear on Mm -hmm. his screens. And those are... That guy? Demons. Oh. (laughs) Demons who will use that gateway of the EVP to sort of, I guess, inch their way closer and closer to you. Okay. And this guy's been doing it for so long that he's basically under control of these demons. Okay. And they're making him kill people, including Michael Keaton's wife. Right. Now that Michael Keaton has tracked him down and he's there and he can save the woman, he's going to save the day, right? No. He's going to set the woman free and stop the guy, right? No, this I know. The demons 
attack Michael Keaton, yeah. and there is a very long sequence mm-hmm. of the demons swirling around him, and Michael Keaton screaming yeah. and being in like in like the throat, <laughs> like taking all this damage, yeah. and snapping sounds as the bones of his like legs are breaking. Are you sure with just the heels of his shoes breaking? Off? <laughs> oh, he snapped his heel. You know when? Uh, you know when uh, Vicky Vale is being dragged <laughs> up that that clock tower by the Joker and her heel breaks yeah. and the shoe falls off and stuff. That's Michael Keaton in white noise. <laughs> and he looks down at his shoe and back up without being able to move his neck, just like Batman with the cowl, yeah, looking down at the shoe falling. He can't move. Yeah. Oh, Batman's awesome. Batman's awesome. Okay. <laughs> He's coming back as Batman, too. I know. I'm very pumped about I know. that. Uh, but so the ghosts kill him. Yeah. They swirl all around him and snap all his bones. Right. And then the next thing that happens in the movie is the SWAT team shows up and storms the building and shoots the bad guy and they save the woman. Okay. And then they look down. That's quite a twist. This like pit and Michael Keaton's down there with his legs all broken dead. Mm -hmm. So he didn't do anything. He didn't well, he save. Saved, he saved other people, right? Didn't he save a bunch of other people? He did save other people, but it's like the police were always like a second behind him. He didn't even yeah. like prevent the woman from being killed so that the police could save her. He showed up, got like ripped apart by ghosts, right. and then the police saved the day. It's tough. It's baffling. The movie ends with Michael Keaton's ghost apologizing to his young son, who appears to be like three or four. God. Through a car radio. He goes, I'm sorry. Sorry, Mikey. And it's these strangers. I don't know who they are. It's been too long since I've watched the full movie. Yeah. But they're in the car, I guess, now taking care of Michael Keaton's son. Mm-hmm. They hear it? They're like, <laughs> They oh. hear it, too. And they keep looking at the kid. <laughs> and they're all just kind of, like, looking at each other. And then the That's camera funny. just zooms in on the radio and it's over. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, okay. All right. Shock of all shocks. It's got a 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. But... It did really well at the box office. It was released in January. It was the first movie released after New Year's. Mm -hmm. January is typically the dumping ground for movies that aren't testing well, for movies that are not expected to do well. Uh, It's weird. Everybody's already been celebrating stuff. Everybody's like, oh, no, another year. There's more time. Time goes continues. And so they don't go to the movie. They don't care. (laughs) Nothing good happens in the films in January. Yeah. It did really well. And it made all the the studio heads go, wait a minute, maybe January can be good. Yeah. So they, here, here's uh, uh, the, the theory posited on, um, on Wikipedia. This is a quote from C. Robert Cargill of Ain't It Cool News. If a horror movie, if a horror film as poorly received as White Noise could (laughs) nevertheless make a significant amount of money in January, studios realized a quality film. In that genre mm. could do even better. Might slot in there quite nicely. What if we made good movies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like really what that boils down to. Right. Cut to one year later, all the media blitz, all the lead up, the alternate reality game leading up to Cloverfield. Ah. Released in that same slot one oh, year okay. later. So they learned the lesson. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they didn't learn all their lessons because um, like three years after that, in approximately the same weekend of release, uh, White Noise 2, The Light, came out. Three years is a long time for a sequel of something that's not like a big deal Marvel movie. You know... That's not average. I would say two to two to four sometimes. 
I don't know. Some. I mean, I what do you even, want? One. One to two. One for like, is tight. One is tight it's as hell. Tight, but they do scream it for something. One that's, to scream two is less than a year, and that is unusual. But for something that's not like a big budget movie, three years. Yeah, you is, might think that you would just blurp out white noise yes. too. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, Saw they made every year. Right. That, they make some movies every year. If that it's seems Halloween, like a, quite a spread. It must be Saw. That's right. How lovable it is for was us. That? The best. It was the best. Loved it. It was great. Yeah. White Noise 2, 2007. I thought that this was a movie starring Christian Slater my whole life. And by uh, whole life, I mean since 2007. You know what? You, you mistook somebody else for Christian Slater recently. What the hell was it? I don't remember, but you told me Christian Slater. Oh, it was Christian Nathan Slater. Fillion. Right? No. I don't remember. No. I don't remember what it was, but you told me Christian Slater was in something. I looked up and it wasn't him. Yeah. Yeah. It was White Noise it was not two, White Noise light. too. It was something else. Sorry, Nathan Fillion. You've got Christian Slater on the brain. I do like me He's some Christian Slater. He's your new Ray Liotta. Will used to always talk. He like thought every actor was Ray Liotta. Um, <laughs> that's what this is. That's so weird. I I like Christian Slater. I know. It's just, it's strange. What am I supposed to not see him everywhere <laughs> I go? <laughs> so get this. White Noise 2, The Light, is in insane okay nathan fillion is our lead he plays a character named abe dale okay (laughs) interesting leading man name abe dale abe dale rolls right off the tongue yeah it's kind of hard to say abe dale he witnessed his wife and son being murdered by henry kane okay henry kane then turned the gun on himself saying i'm sorry wow Hmm? the trauma led nathan fillion to try to take his own life the doctors revived him, but not before he died on the operating table, mm. seeing the titular white light. They okay. say that when you die, sometimes you see a, a beautiful white light. They say, you know, don't go to the light at the end of the tunnel if they don't want you to, to go to the great beyond. So right. he's seen that white light. Ever since that, he's still alive now, but having seen the white light, he basically, wherever he goes, sees EVPs. In a sense. Okay. You know, EVPs, especially in like white noise, even white noise one, um, the EVPs you listen to over the radio, that's sort of like the traditional stuff Mm -hmm. you were just talking about. But in the white noise movies, they also use static on a screen. Right. Faces can appear in the the static on a television set. And so that's almost what Nathan Fillion's vision is like in this movie. Just that's like, that's called ITC, and I'm trying to look look up what that stands for. But like visual EVP is ITC. Uh, yeah. Why don't I hop over to my notes for Ghost Adventures? Adventures. I know. I know. Instrumental transcommunication. I think. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I think I is instrumental. I meant to go back and double yeah. check that. Something like that. Uh, but so yeah, he's basically seeing that, and he is seeing similar to Michael Keaton, people who he can save. Mm -hmm. People who are due to die, but he can prevent it from happening. And so he does just that. He starts going around saving people. They have like a white glow about them. And so he knows. But wait. Uh Now here's the plot as written by Wikipedia. Because my brain just started going, what? And then I rented this movie to watch. Oh my God, Will. (laughs) I had to. I had to. I made you watch Garbage for this week. Um, Oh, yeah. Which we'll get to. But, uh, Here's from Wikipedia. Abe soon learns that Henry, the guy that killed his wife and son, before murdering Abe's wife and son, had actually saved their lives. And in my head, I start going like, he before he killed them, he <laughs> saved them? What do you mean? How, how long before? Yeah. What are you talking about? All right. Abe concludes that Henry, the killer, had also had the ability to see death. 
Wanting to learn more about Henry, Abe visits his house only to learn that Henry survived his suicide when he killed Abe Dale's wife and son and turned the gun on himself saying, I'm sorry, he survived that. Okay. Investigating further, Abe discovers the phenomenon of Triamera, the third day when Christ was resurrected. Boy. Also on the third day, the devil takes possessions takes possession of the mortals who cheated death. Abe concludes that three days after he saved the lives of people due to die, those he saved will be possessed and be compelled to take the lives of others. Accepting this responsibility, Abe comes to terms with the horrible fact that he must consider killing those he had saved to prevent further tragedy. Holy moly. And that is the premise of White Noise to the Light. He saw his wife and son murdered by someone, which is horrible. Yeah. Learned later that maybe that guy was doing the right thing. Right. That's basically what the movie is about. Right. You killed my family, wow. but maybe it was the right thing to do, and maybe I should be doing that as well. Yeah. That's what this movie's about. And so I watched it. Mm-hmm. I, Kristen, this movie is really something. Yeah. Uh, there are just full-on ghosts in it. Okay. Nathan Fillion will eventually track down Katie Sackhoff. Do you know who that is? She's no. an actress. She was in like Battlestar Galactica, I think. She okay. was Starbuck. And uh, he had saved her previously, but now he's telling her uh, he's got to kill her or she's got to kill herself. Mm-hmm. Which is cr- crazy person Does she caught into that idea? She considers it. Okay. She considers it. Nathan Fillion tries to kill her, and then the police rush in and shoot him dead. Oh. And as he's dying, he's like, you got to kill yourself. It's like his final words are like, you got to kill yourself or the devil's going to possess you. And she, he had dropped his gun. She turns to reach for it. And as she goes to get it, a cop, I guess, not even noticing that she's trying to get it. Yeah. Walks by and just picks the gun up off the ground. Mm-hmm. Like to get it out of there. Yeah. But like, not like, don't pick up that gun. Right. Just, just kind of like, oh, there's a gun here. Oh, there's a gun. You should pick up the gun. Cleaning up. Yeah. Uh, baffling. Then uh, she's like having like a panic attack or, or something. And so she's being rushed away in a hospital. Now Nathan Fillion, having died, is a ghost. Mm-hmm. And it's very much like the movie The Frighteners. Okay. Where um, Michael J. Fox. Yeah. Michael J. Fox temporarily lowers his body temperature yeah. so that he'll technically be dead but can be revived. Yeah. And he gets to run around and have wacky ghost adventures. Nathan Fillion is a full-on ghost. He is silver and see-through. And he is watching as they take her away. And then he starts traveling through the telephone wires to, okay. to get down the road to catch up to the ambulance. Oh, okay. And she in the ambulance is suffering under the tree of Mera the third day. So the devil's actively possessing her and she's fighting against it now. He appears to her in the, the ambulance and it's supposed to be like a beautiful moment, almost like her seeing God or something that he's there <laughs> looking over her. And then he puts his hand on her chest and kills her. Yeah, to say, does he? T- yeah, he, he kills takes her, her away. Yeah, and then uh, even crazier, the ambulance is. <laughs> it's so nuts, Kristen. The ambulance Sounds is crazy. flying down this freeway where there's been uh, an accident. There's a busload full of people and a gas tanker truck. Oh my god! With a highly volatile, you know, gasoline gas. in yeah. it. <laughs> 
And so the ambulance, it's shown, I guess, is is that the ambulance is going to hit the truck and it's going to explode and My it's going to kill everyone in the ambulance and all the people on the bus. So after Nathan Fillion kills Katie Sa- Oh, by the way, spoilers yeah. for White Notes 2 and everything. I probably should have said that at the beginning. I think they, th- this is what we usually it's do. What we usually do. So, I know. Yeah. I, I can't feel that bad. No. But it did just occur to me. I'm like at the end of describing this stupid movie, and yeah. I've already said all the spoiler worthy stuff. Right. Spoiler eh, alert spoiler. for everything you yeah. just heard. Nathan Fillion zip zooms to stand in front of the tanker truck, and then the ambulance can see him, the driver, okay. and swerves. So, therefore, the accident that might have happened doesn't right but my thing is like one it might have happened it also might not have right two he had to like travel through telephone wires but then he just kind of like does like a ghostly yeah can whip woo to to stand by the tanker it was like yeah it's it's confusing it, it sounds was, like the rules are extremely malleable a thousand percent it was awful mm-hmm. and it was pretty funny. Yeah. And I, it's definitely like a potential for a how did this get made type yeah. scenario. I don't yeah. know if it's bad. I don't know if it's good, bad enough. Right. But it was kind of like, wow, you guys are really going hard. Yeah. 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. 75? 75. Wow. I mean, that Trey Amaro or whatever is heady stuff. Up from seven in wow. White Noise 1. 75. Wow. And I guess that's the White Noise franchise. Yeah. There's yeah. two of them. Yeah. And I guess they just went, let's not do this anymore. Right. I think we've we've done what we came to do. It's true. But that is not the only paranormal mm-hmm. uh, technological film out there. Not by a long shot. Right. Here are some shorties. There is a South Korean horror film called Phone, where everybody who gets a specific phone number dies. Mm-hmm. Um, it is... Uh, I don't know. It, you know, like you buy a new cell phone, you can choose to keep your old, old. number or you might just get a new number yeah. that's probably been used before. Like our mom, we we got her an mm-hmm. iPhone and uh, she gets like text messages, yeah. presumably because of whoever had it before, something like that. So it's just weird holdover stuff. So the idea here is that everybody who had that phone number dies and very similar to one missed call. It's like, yeah, the original girl who had the phone number was killed and her body is in the walls of a house so we've got to lay her spirit to rest it's very much one of those like the ring knockoffs Mm -hmm. where it's like the same thing just a little bit different yeah that's phone here's cell 2016 based on a stephen king novel john cusack and samuel l jackson star i remember this making headlines not because it was a good movie, but because people were like, hey, there's a new John Cusack, Sam Jackson movie based on a Stephen King novel going right to like Redbox that yeah. no one knows about. And it's called Cell. Huh. And I was always like kind of interested in it from afar because I knew the basic premise was phone zombies. Yeah. yeah. Somehow phone zombies. Right. So I looked into it. John Cusack lands at an airport and he is trying to FaceTime with his son being like, Hey, buddy, I, I just landed. I'm going to come see you real soon, champ. His phone dies. Uh, oh, no. that's so He has to run to use a payphone, a landline, Kristen. Mm-hmm. While John Cusack is on the landline, boom, a pulse is sent out over cell tower signals. Okay. Everybody in the airport, whether they've got a little Bluetooth headset on in their ear or they're using their super cool cell phones, flip trick phone, they get infected 
with an over-the-air cell phone zombie virus. All right, so he lucked out. He lucked out by being on a landline at the time. Yeah. Which is like, it made me think of the efficiency of like Final Destination. Yeah. I'm getting on the airplane. I, I'm too freaked out. Get me off this plane. And you think that he's nuts over there. And then the, the plane explodes on takeoff. And you're like, well, it's a good thing you got off that plane. Absolutely. But it's funny to be like, it's a good thing you weren't on FaceTime. Right. Thank God you weren't on FaceTime well, when that happened. It's the disease of our technology addiction. It sure is, Kristen. Yeah. And funnily enough, this actually does end up playing into uh, a crackpot theory of today where people say that 5G, right. Kristen, 5G coming yes. uh, can make you sick. There are yeah. some people that said the coronavirus might have been right. because of 5G, 5G cell signal. Yeah. And I, 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 that's all I'm going to say about that. Yes. I, uh, <laughs> so all the people that are infected by this cell phone sickness, phone madness, they should be called like the phone. It should be called phone madness. <laughs> yeah. Phone madness is good. But they're all the infected are known as phoners. Oh, okay. now if I knew nothing else, but you told me that the name of the zombies in this movie about cell phone zombies were called phoners, I'd go. Did Stephen King write this? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's like a cute, like a kind of a cute thing. Yeah. Um, all the survivors uh, begin having dreams and visions of the Raggedy Man. Oh, okay. I, I like that name. Love. Yeah. Love that name. It's a good name. I Googled Raggedy Man to get an idea of, uh, of what he looks like. And it is like almost like a youngish person. Mm-hmm. He looked like he was maybe in his like twenties, wearing a red hoodie and and headphones around his neck, mm-hmm. but like maybe homeless. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, it didn't really give me like the the like big chill, the big spookiness yeah. that I would have anticipated. Here's the other thing: the Raggedy Man is a poem on which Raggedy Ann and Andy uh, uh, were based. Oh. And I tried to look more into that. Maybe more on that in the future. The Raggedy Man I find very scary. Huh. You know what else is really scary about the Raggedy Man? He has an appearance in the song All in the Family, the kind of dual song between Limp Biscuit and Corn. Oh, my God. Not that long ago, I had that song stuck in my head, the parts of it that I remember. And one of the parts I remember is, so what are you thinking, Mr. Raggedy Man? Doing all you can to, to look like Raggedy, Raggedy Ann. So... <sighs> Long storied history with the Raggedy Man. I'll tell you what, Bobby and I still quote that song to each other like, yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh, uh, you can never limp, uh, bisque limp kit. At least yeah. I've got a fat original band. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We should get moving because we're at over an hour. Okay, fine. And we haven't even talked about Unfriended. We haven't even talked more about that song by Corn and Limp Bizkit. Right, right. <laughs> which now is just playing in my head. <laughs> I had I remember I tweeted about it not that long ago because I was like, I don't know what I did to deserve this, but I've had might all be, the family stuck in my head. Might be one of the world's worst songs, yeah. right? You'd agree? Yeah. Horrible. Yes, it's horrible. Okay. Uh, all right. Other franchises that just exist. I started looking into Paranormal Activity. There's just too much. Mm-hmm. There's just too much, but it's about Toby the Ghost and they get right. footage of him over film. Maybe we'll do that again someday in the mm-hmm. future. Uh, there is a movie called Searching starring John Cho. He's looking for his daughter who has yep. gone missing. The only thing I really want to point out here is that it's, it's a, awesome. It's a great movie. It's one of those films that takes place only over the course of like looking at the the footage captured of screens. Mm-hmm. So in his case, it's laptops and phones, but you can see him typing in things to search to look for his daughter. It's all captured from a, a screen. Yeah. The notable thing here that makes it paranormal is that uh, um, 
simultaneously while he's looking for his daughter, which is his single-minded pursuit. You know, you go on the internet and you see uh, a bunch of ads for like, hey, read this breaking article. Look at this trending topic. All of those things that are in the margins, which are not your focal point in the movie, Mm -hmm. are about an alien invasion. Yeah. So I looked into it a little bit. And uh, at the beginning of searching, there are articles off in the, the, the margins of what you're watching that reference electromagnetic anomalies appearing in the sky. Yeah, it's awesome. Toward the middle of the movie, uh, the head of NASA is like, there are tons of articles about like the head of NASA giving a, a gigantic speech. I believe I couldn't get this verified, but I saw people talking about it. Um, people from NASA are getting killed mysteriously. Mm-hmm. And then toward the end of the movie, the president is giving an emergency speech with the secretary of defense there over oh, the course of searching, awesome. which is a very grounded reality movie yeah. where somebody's child is missing. An alien invasion is happening. Yeah. And I, I almost like that. Like the director came out and he was like, there's no ulterior motive here. Mm-hmm. We literally knew that to make this look real, we would have to have dummy articles all over the place. And we thought, boy, wouldn't it be fun yes. to do an alien thing? He's like, we're not we're not doing anything with that. We did that purely for fun. Right. Uh, but yes, there was an alien invasion there. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is that I like as much as that was a joke. I would be into watching that. I would watch that, but yeah. also it for for the movie Searching, it gives the impression that John Cho is so single-mindedly dogmatic about finding his daughter mm-hmm. that not even something as gargantuan as aliens That's touching true. down on Earth could distract him. That's true. And I kind of like the accidental message of that. Yeah, that is know? cool. I hadn't thought of that. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I, I really, really like that. Yeah. Um, all right. I've got a whole section here called Unfriended, which is one word. Yeah. It says Unfriended. <laughs> I made you watch this movie. Well, I mean, you said I should watch in front of it, and I was like, yeah, I wanted to see that for a long time, I so I will. I made it yeah. happen. I pulled the <laughs> strings. I'm the puppet master. That's right. It is another movie like Searching that takes place all captured on a laptop screen. Mm-hmm. Here, it's about a group of friends that are getting on a Skype call. Uh, Yes, it is Skype. It's Skype. So they're all video chatting with each other, and I believe it's the one-year anniversary of the death yes. of their friend, Laura Barnes. Mm-hmm. Over the course of the movie, you discover that the friends all played various roles in the public shaming, humiliation, cyberbullying of Laura Barnes. Uh, and now her ghost is getting them back one by one. That's right. She's entered the Skype chat. Yes. Now, you gave me some of your impressions as we were texting each other over Mm -hmm. the course of the last day. Yeah. Would you say your feelings of it was that it was no bueno? Yeah, it was no bueno. It wasn't even, like, so bad it's good. It, It wasn't, like, so horrible. I was just like... This isn't very good. Yeah. There are things about it that are cool. Like, I like that when they're on Skype, there's just another user present there in the Skype thing who doesn't have an avatar or anything. And they think it's a glitch for a little while, but you obviously find out that it's the ghost. Like, there are cool things about it. I agree. But it's a lot of, like, yelling over each other and being annoying, like teenagers being annoying and really dramatic. Um, and lines that humans would never say. I think it's really, really weird. And like, I don't really get why they had it be that Laura Barnes got wasted, pooped her pants at a party. <laughs> and then somebody took a video of it and posted it online. I just don't get why that's the thing. You gotta it find seems it. like weirdly like goofy, but it's not. If and- you're writing a movie where one of the, the big things that happened is something went viral, right? then you are responsible for coming up with something that's good enough video. to go viral. 
I don't. I guess it would go viral within their high school. Certainly, the real things that go viral, by the way. Yeah. Like like Nathan for you. That, yeah. Like that. Like you know, comedy show on Comedy Central where he comes up with like little yes. schemes and stuff. He was like, we were, we're going to make something go viral. We're going to make it look like a pig is saving a goat from drowning. <laughs> right. That's like what goes viral. Not, not not girl poops her pants at a party. Right. I'm sure within their microcosm at school, it got passed around, but not like viral, viral. So I just thought that was like a really strange choice. Yeah. Um, I didn't really like it. It didn't scare me or anything. Uh, you know, it was just it was a horror movie. It was enjoyable enough. But I wasn't like, oh, goody. Did anything scare you in it? No. Okay. The The final shot of that film, mm-hmm. which arguably might make more sense now than it did when I saw it in theaters. Yeah. Sitting in a large auditorium looking at a 50-foot wide screen. Yeah. The final shot of the movie is the ghost closing the laptop. Yeah. And then flying at you. Uh-huh. <laughs> On a 50-foot screen... There's nothing immersive about that. Yeah, right. If you're watching it on a laptop, that's, that's sort of a different story. I was watching it mirrored to my TV. Okay. So maybe it's a little bit different because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, why didn't I do the thing with it being on my laptop? Because I don't know why I didn't. I just didn't though. I didn't think about it. Maybe you would have been more immersed, Chris. Maybe I would have. But I don't know. I didn't really like it. No. Uh, there's a kid that uh, shoves his hand in a blender because the ghost makes him. Yes. The ghost also that's has a- That's the first scary thing that the ghost does. Like physically scary thing. Right. The ghost also has a ghost camera. Yeah. Where it can join the video chat and right. be filming someone from behind their back, and when they turn, there's nothing there. Right, right. So the ghost, yeah, maybe because Laura Barnes went viral, she went ghost, vi- techno ghost. I'm willing to not worry about it. I'm willing you to know? not think about it. Right, but even like you know, I liked. I was like, oh, you know, whatever. That's a, th- it's fine. It's yeah. whatever. But yeah, it was just like, eh. Did you enjoy all the aspects of the main character being able to Google stuff? Yeah, I mean, I thought there was cool stuff about it. I liked that. I liked that she kept chatting to her boyfriend, like sidebarring their Skype conversation. There was really cool stuff about it. I love seeing somebody's screen. I love, yeah. I, you know what? It's a, it's, you can call it a gimmick. Yeah, but I'm fine with it. It's a gimmick I really enjoy. I think there are a million and one stories that you could tell mm-hmm. in that style. Right. And I think that there are a bunch of things that Unfriended did pretty well yeah, about making cool it all feel, it. it feels very authentic. Yes, it like does. The, the UI of mm-hmm. going to Google or typing a thing in on Facebook, yeah. Skyping with people, but then secretly messaging right, somebody other to the things. Side. I think it's interesting because you're seeing kind of somebody's inner world to a degree because you're only like acting for yourself when you're on the computer. Right. If, somebody, if you're not sharing your screen. Yeah, that's true. It's just for you. So it's like a very intimate look into that person's mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all that stuff is good. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's yeah. a ghost that's trying to right. to kill them all one by one. Yeah, right. And it's just like, it's just a lot of yelling. It's a lot of yelling. It's They're a lot just of like yelling. yelling at each other. I just didn't, I don't know. And that is why it doesn't hold a candle mm-hmm. to host. No. To host, which Love we host. talk about at length yeah. on patreon.com slash pod. Yes, I absolutely loved host. The premise is arguably identical. Yeah. A group of friends are talking with each other over video chat. Instead mm-hmm. of Skype, now it is Zoom. Right. Uh, and then paranormal things are happening to them. Right. You watch it all on the screen. All of it is happening on the screens. Vastly different experience with it, though. Oh, big time. Different methodology, different yeah. style. Quality level mm-hmm. is fantastic. It yeah. was like very enjoyable and pretty inventive. Yes. Even when it borrowed from other things. Yeah. 
Um, I completely loved it. Yeah, I honestly think that Unfriended and Host are the two like opposite ends of the spectrum of mm-hmm. how to do this. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Like using screen capturing for different purposes. Yeah. Nobody in Host Googles something mm-hmm. while they're ch- chatting with everybody else. Right. It's all Zoom all the time. Uh, and yet they found ways to do it and not make it silly. Yeah. Because this is a premise that if you hear it, your immediate thought might be, Ugh, yeah, who needs definitely. it? But man, no, you need it. It's you great. need it. You need it. Go watch host a ghost over Zoom, mm-hmm. uh, and it it's really a works over Zoom that they're doing, and then a ghost is conjured into it. It's great. That's right. Yeah, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then uh, once you're done watching a uh, host. Go to patreon.com slash pod, and if you become a netherworld warrior starting at $4 a month, you're going to get access to our review yeah. of Host, where we talk about the movie itself, talk about what we uh, think about it, their methodology of pulling off the movie, what does the movie mean, what are the rules mm-hmm. of this particular kind of demon. Super fun, and yeah. it's uh, literally out there right this second. Yeah, that's right. So go check that out. You can also follow us on social media everywhere at GTTUPod. If you couldn't tell, we've come to the end of the episode. So we're giving you all the information so you can keep the good times rolling until we meet again. This party don't stop. No, it never does. As a matter of fact, if you go to Facebook.com slash groups slash GTTUPod, you can join our Guides to the Unknown Secret Society Facebook group where there are a ton of people who are talking about horror movies and spooky stuff and sharing like goofy spooky memes with each other all the time it's a really really awesome nice group of people it's super fun Mm -hmm. uh this past week uh we've also got a new episode of ghost adventures adventures out on the feeds where Kristen and bethany from an acquired taste podcast Mm -hmm. talk about one of the latest episodes of season one of ghost adventures yeah and that means coming up on tuesday we're gonna have the season finale of that show yes so buckle up because we're coming to a close on the first batch of episodes there that's right so if you follow us at gttu pod everywhere you will know when those things come out and you can also follow us individually online i am at chillin Kristen. i am at the myth traveler so thank you all so much for hanging out with us we will definitely see you either on patreon on ghost adventures adventures or next time here on guide to the unknown but until that time comes we must travel back to the netherworld go we oh no a ghost just joined our oh no call we better go david get out of here yikes nuts <laughs> oh nuts Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.